Yes, Jan, thank you very much for the introduction and also for the invitation. I think it's, it's a marvelous conference and I um, feel very happy to be here. And um, I hope I don't bore you too much after this wonderful uh, dinner tonight. So I tried um, uh, to, to, to be um, not too long. However, I mean, Jan um, gave me a quite a package to, to speak in. Um, in the beginning, it was 15 minutes on the past, the future, political education, and the challenges of, of populism. And because most of you are historians, you know, uh, history is about success and failure, and I promise you I will fail. Um, so, what I can do now is um, perhaps to say a little bit about um, uh, my institution uh, concerning political education and then I try to offer you um, perhaps uh, something which can conceptualize a little bit what we have talked um, over the day and I think it fits perfectly well to, to my predecessors um, debating German and Polish history. So um, I come from Saxony and I was happy to sit next to uh, um, a flag with, with, with um, uh, Saxonian um, symbols on it and, and in, in Germany we have so-called Landeszentrale and Neil mentioned it, we, we, we have in all 16 federal state, uh, states we have institutions that deal with uh, political education and uh, historic education and this has a long tradition. The first in institutions were made during the First World War for propaganda reasons. And then also in the Weimar Republic there were institutions that had to, to stabilize uh, people in a national manner. And then, I mean, during the Third Reich that was abolished because everything was, was politics in a way. And then um, after the war, especially um, uh, with the Anglo-Saxon um, concept of, of re-education, these institutions got um, uh, a certain importance. So we have uh, in all 16 federal states we have uh, these um, uh, regional agencies for political education and we have a, um, a federal institution on top. And, and we do um, quite different things. We, we, we do talks and conferences like this. We, we have online and, and video offers and, and we also publish books or buy books and deliver to the people. Um, we have a budget of 2.8 million euro, uh, 30 people are working in our agency, uh, we deliver 100,000 books for free to the people, we now adopted new methods like, like YouTube or influencers and we had a very interesting young chap um, and the first clicks on a certain topic was around 60,000 clicks and we make um, 300 talks a year and reach so 25,000 people. But still, there are 4 million Saxonians, so uh, we, we can only work with multiplicators, teachers, journalists, policemen, the army. Recently I had an interesting talk at Volkswagen. They also want to do more political education because, as you probably know from the press, we have some unfriendly events uh, in Dresden, and so populism is, is at I mean, if, if we organize a talk like this and we have no populists uh, in it, then we did something wrong. We have populists everywhere at the moment, everywhere. And then uh, September the 1st, we have a regional election and the AfD, the right-wing populist party, and the conservatives and CDU are on eye level. So that will be a crucial election for, for Germany. The prime minister from the conservative party still rejects to, to make a coalition with them. But his speaker in Parliament said, well, we will see what comes out. So 
interesting time and, and one thing we will do is that we in all 60 constituencies we want to, to, to make forums for political debate with, with members of all parties that run for parliament and, and try to, to moderate it and to, to, to give a sober impact on, on the issues. And our, our philosophy is um, threefold. It's quite, quite simple and it's a consensus all over Germany. Political education um, must not overwhelm emotionally those who learn. That's the first point which is quite tricky if we talk then about historical events. Uh, second point is, and that's uh, the most important point, what is um, a controversy in society must be controversial in education. And the third point is to active, uh, to motivate people to get engaged in, 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 in politics, society, cultural, religious, whatever affairs. And that, that's to our institution. Now, coming back to the topic of our conference, I'm focusing more on the past and I want to talk about Germany, but perhaps it, it gets, gets some, some ideas also for other countries, divided, contested and shared memory. I adopt the ideas by Leider Asman and Jan Asman, I think it's in the, in the paper uh, also uh, mentioned, and um, by Rainer Lepsius. I mean, we have talked about this issue all day long, and, but, but just to to come back, we have the individual memory, the social memory, that's, that's more family, friends, neighborhood, local memory, and then cultural memory or as, as, as memory that is, is, um, that is formed by states, by greater groups, nations, religious um, congregation, and so forth, that, that it's over individual memory. And this is quite formative for, for identities. In Germany, um, this culture of remembrance or the politics of memory is, is a rather new development that developed um, from the 80s onwards. And I will come back to this later and show you how this developed. And Neil mentioned that um, in the time directly after the war, it was quite difficult to, to talk about uh, war issues and uh, the Holocaust. And what was a great change um, over the decades in Germany in dealing with, with war crime and the Holocaust was that in the first period it was um, an externalization of guilt. Yeah? Okay, we were guilty, we we're, were the perpetrators, but the British or the Americans also bombed our towns. Or 12 million Germans had to flee from Eastern Europe and 2 million died. So, I mean, Yes, and, and we didn't talk about the Jews, but we talked about ourselves. And then in the course of, of the late um, 70s and then early 80s onwards until today, we have an internalization of the question of guilt, of morality, of dealing um, with the past. And I think that that's a really a crucial point and something new. Now we have a dis discussion that, that fits perhaps to, to, to the first session we have that... Um, um, these um, educational schemes we have in terms of cultural memory is now challenged on the question shall we come back more to objective historical research, is, is memory manipulating things, um, how, how, how can we do this? Um, here perhaps a short impression on, on, on how things developed in, in Germany and I want to emphasize in West Germany. It's quite crucial if we talk about unified Germany. 
Now, in the 50s, 60s, um, uh, the Germans were, were, were uh, very much dealing with, with the outcome of the war to Germany. The German-German question was, was a question until the unification and was one of the, the crucial questions, not in Germany, but also in the entire Europe. And then the refugee question, the westernization, which was uh, enforced by Adenauer, and uh, he also tried the first steps of, of reconciliation, especially with France and Israel. Um, we had first sides of memory opened concerning um, the concentration camps in 1952, Bergen-Belsen, for instance, and Plötzensee, um, first um, cities and towns and villages started to reconstruct several Jewish cemeteries, but that was not systematically done, but, but by the activities of, of um, local people. And then came a change uh, in 65 um, in, in with the Auschwitz trails in Frankfurt, then came the 68 revolution. A younger generation challenged the older ones and asked, what did you do in the past? What was your position? Were you involved or not? And that um, opened up a new debate um, in, in Germany. But um, I, I have put the, the other points also uh, to, to keep in mind that, 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 that it was a certain development. It didn't come out of the blue, and it's not only the 68 revolution, but the 68 revolution is, is a, so to say, a cultural break. In 1985, um, our president, Richard von Weizsäcker, made a great speech in, in the parliament, um, and he was the first politician to name the 8th of May a day of liberation. It was a very political issue. Is it a, a day of defeat or of liberation? And the first time that a figurehead um, uh, of, of the state um, claimed it a day of liberation, that made a change. And from that day onwards, one could say that something like this Erinnerungskultur, this culture, um, of, of memory developed. Then came the historical stride. Neil also mentioned the, the question of singularity of, of the Holocaust. And um, I was brought up at that time in school. And as I can say, I'm, I'm a mainstream German. And uh, this is um, was what had really a decisive effect. Whether the term singularity is, is good or bad, that, that, that's quite a question. But I have to say the debate I listened to just uh, two hours ago, um, it's, it's quite interesting that it's possible in a, in a European framework because until today those more diverse attitudes to, towards um, the, the Holocaust is, is, is still a toxic topic in, in Germany. Okay, further on then Wehrmacht's Ausstellung on, on the military in the Second World War. Around 2000 we had a debate on forced labor. In 2005 the Central Holocaust Memorial was established. In 2008, the Central Memorial, Memorial for Homosexuals. Then in 2012, the Central Memorial for the Murdered Sinti and Roma. And one could also add last year, um, the federal government installed um, um, a special advocate or envoy um, uh, for fight against anti-Semitism and to take care of, of Jewish congregations in the country. And that was that has to be considered also because um, we had some events in public um, that were clearly anti-Semitic and uh, brought about a, a great debate on, on anti-Semitism. If you follow the polls concerning the attitudes of the people, the, the anti-Semitism is, is diminishing over the years. So we have a public awareness 
uh, about racism, anti-Semitism, but the, the pure figures, the pure statistics go into a different direction. Um, now we, we come to, to the question of conceptualizing memories, and perhaps this fits also to the last debate. Um, I, I adopt here again some, some ideas by Elida Asman, um, and, and um, would like to elaborate five ways of commemorating things. The first is what, what perhaps we, we just heard about from Poland, conflicting or competitive memories, victim against offenders, victims against victims, nations against nations, groups against groups, uh, and, and conflict remains open and can be used for political purposes. You could also say Turks against Armenians, Armenian against Turks, and whatever. Um, that, that's perhaps the mainstream way of commemorating things, especially when things get politicized. Now, the second option is what, what Germany, but also our European neighbors um, did during the 50s and 60s, a dialogic oblivion, forget, forgive, conclude, and be agreed, um, to quote Shakespeare, it was a politics of the final stroke. Vergangenheitsbewältigung, coming to terms with the past, meant we leave the past as it is. Even Churchill, in a serious speech, said, let's be future-orientated and leave the past uh, behind us. And that was, someone asked, uh, how, how did it work? And, and, and that, that was perhaps an interesting thing. It, it has a certain dialectic that um, the... The generation who belonged to, to, to the Wehrmacht or was um, a Nazi um, member in, in whatever, higher ranks or lower ranks, um, I mean, they had this experience. They, they wouldn't say that it was a liberation, but of defeat, of, of burning towns. They, they, they saw that it came to an ultimate end. And, and um, there was a certain promise if we don't talk about the, f uh, the past but are future orientated, want to build up a new state and perhaps also have a moral attitude that, that we are a new and renewed and democratic and westernized um, uh, Germany, then, then we have an option in, in Europe again in the world. And, and the West opened it up and, and did the entire opposite in, in politics compared to the First World War. So the, to forget was an option for, for the winner and the loser of um, the war. Um, then the next option um, is, um, uh, and we can say perhaps it started with, with Hannah Arendt's book on the origins of totalitarianism, is remembrance not to forget. Um, and then she described the Holocaust and then the Nazi time as uh, the breakdown of civilization, a civilizationsbruch a negative uh, revelation of the evil, the necessity of human rights, and that brought about a new ethic of um, commemoration, which then influenced these um, politics and culture of uh, memory from the 80 onwards. Remembrance not to forget. Then we have um, another option that, that's um, perhaps um, um, interesting for those countries who made up commissions for truth and justice remembrance to overcome, like in South Africa. Um, so you, you have to commit your sins in the face of, of a commission and uh, then you 
got a, a certain form of, of amnesty. That, that's a very important um, point in transitional periods, coming to peace, bringing peace to society, but this has to be linked to political and economic transformations. If you just do a commission and you don't change society as a whole or even political structures, then it's not a very reliable form of remembrance. And then the last point, which is very future orientated and, and perhaps um, um, the best way also to integrate what we have discussed with, with questions of pluralism is um, that we understand memory is not an overcrowded space. When we look at the first um, uh, version of commemoration, victims against victims or heroes against heroes or victims against offenders, um, then these national narratives or religious narratives or minority narratives, they always um, uh, presuppose that, that, that memory is, is a limited space and we have to put up a certain fringe or fence that not someone else takes memory away. And if we understand it uh, broader, and that memory has a lot of space for different narratives, then this might be a possibility also to, to install transnational commemorations and to overcome victim competitions. I think that's, that's a huge political problem, that victims try to compete who is the greatest victim, and this is all, in that moment already exclusive. And um, Asman um, speaks about a multi-directional memory. And this overcomes the dialogue of the deaf, which is probably the first um, category. Now, when I was reading here for the conference uh, the Aspan books again, I realized, and I go back especially here to, to, to this sheet, that's, re that's really an impressive study and theory, and, and um, I would adopt it for myself, but now living in the eastern part of Germany, I realized that, that that's a West German uh, story. And it's a West German 1968 um, uh, personal experience story. This is a dialogue, and it was a half dialogue, uh, sometimes a brutal dialogue among families in public. The historical style was not a funny one. That, that was, I mean, that, that was a harsh debate uh, among intellectuals, also politicians, and if you misbehave, that could harm your uh, career entirely. But this was a West German debate, and the East German had no place in it. So I was wondering, and uh, still do, whether this is also part of, of, a, of a problem of, of shared memory in Germany. So if, if you look at, at East Germany, they had a different dialogue. East Germany was created not by the will of the people, but a result of the war. The East Germans were not asked whether they wanted to live in a communist regime, but they had to. And the GDR, as a communist country, had a clear philosophy that's a founding myth. They are the anti-fascist state. That's the historical triumph of the working class and of socialism and, and of the story. That meant, uh, to come back to, to my first um, slide, um, guilt was externalized. That was a West German problem, and part of the West German, in a way, it, 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 I mean, historically it's not true, politically it was uh, somewhat true, because the German constitution said that we are continuing the, the German Reich. Yeah? And the East, uh, that had, had a lot of political implications, for instance, the question of borders, 
the German refugees, and so forth. Yeah? But the East could say, I mean, we are a new state, and we externalize all guilt to the West, because a capitalist uh, system uh, is, 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 is part of the misdoings of the Third Reich, so, and of the story. There was never, I mean, they, they, they educated their pupils and the people um, against anti-Semitism, <coughs> against uh, anti-fascism, but um, there was no public debate ever in the GDR. What did your father do? What did your grandfather do? What did your mother and your uncle do? Um, still, what did they do? They um, developed national sites of uh, warning and commemoration, nationale Erinnerungsstätten, um, such as Buchenwald, Ravensbrück, Sachsenhausen. Um, and, and they were used in the context of, of the socialist system also as places of swearing in ceremonies or in initiation ceremonies for the army, for youth organizations. And so these places got overlapping importance. The extermination of the Jews was a side topic. Um, and, and with this philosophy of dealing with the past, there were some problems involved. Concentration camps as Buchenwald were also used for Stalinist terror, the Sonderlager, Speziallager. Um, there was no broader examination, as I said, um, of the past. And um, on the other hand, what, what they do, they, they stricter cleanse uh, the public service, the army, and so forth from people who served in the NSDAP. But you also had in the Socialist uh, Party continuities. With, with people of high rank in the Nazi regime. Okay. Today we have a consensus um, of, so to say, the master narrative of, um, of, the, of the Shoah, but in these days um, uh, this memory is contested. Here I have an example of the 9th of November, um, uh, the 9th of November. 1938, when the synagogues were burned, and this is one of our days of commemoration. Here, a picture from Berlin. You can see uh, the mayor of Berlin, the bishop, the rabbi. There's a Holocaust memorial, a villa to commemorate. And this gentleman uh, belongs to the AfD, the right-wing populist party, and he was also participating in this. Um, memorial walk, but you see here he has a blue flower on his jacket. Does someone know what it means? It's a blue corn bloom, a corn flower. It's like the French equivalent of the poppy, isn't it? Sorry? The French equivalent of the poppy, isn't it? No, not really. <laughs> Is it the Austrian Nazis? Yeah, that's the Austrian fascist uh, Nazi party where yeah, this. And it's now popular among right-wing populists to use it. For instance, in, the, in Austria, the FPÖ, uh, the right-wing party, those members sometimes show up in parliament with this blue corn bloom too. You can say, okay, it's a blue, blue flower and it looks nice, but I mean, it, has a, it has a certain symbol and that's clear provocation. Yeah? And, and um, one of the leading politicians of the AfD gave a speech in Dresden, I think two years ago, and he said, <coughs> we need a 180 degree turn in our memorial policy. Yeah? So, um, and it also shows if, if, if something like 
the Holocaust is, is a, the master narrative in society, um, it, it, it's a toxic topic. And whenever you make a provocation, even a comedian, uh, a book author, a journalist, and then here, ultimate pro provocation that works, and that, 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 that's a topic in the newspapers for one, two, three weeks. And um, it's getting more and more, these provocations. You have other um, issues of contested memory, a little bit like, like Neil also mentioned, left-wing intellectuals like Harald Welzer, and Harald Welzer did a lot of research on, on the Third Reich. Uh, very famous is um, his book, um, Grandfather Was No Nazi. They did a lot of, of, of family records and so forth, and I have the feeling he is a bit fattened up by his own research, and uh, he is a very provocative character and uh, likes to show up in, in TV. And he says, I mean, if the Holocaust memorial is now central to our society, why do we still need a culture of commemoration? No one doubts German guilt anymore, apart from some neo-Nazis, and uh, we speak, for instance, even in Saxony about maximum 3,000 by 4 million inhabitants. So human rights are part of our constitution. And in one point he is totally right. I mean, sometimes it's simply a ritualization or a moralization. Huh? So what shall we do? Modern societies, interesting argument, like in the 50s, should be future orientated. We should not look back. Always this negative past. And he says it's a burden for immigrants. And he says, for, for, forget Hitler, he was a hilarious character, who cares? And the unhappy thing is he gives no solution. He's just say, I mean, it's over now. Yeah? Now, oh, some of my slides have disappeared. There's an advantage for you. Um, so um, we, 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 have, we have those debates in, in how, how it uh, comes out. It, it, it's quite, quite an open question. The, the, my, the question of... Uh, of what, what some of you have raised is how, how to deal with, with the past concerning a more pluralist society, society with migrants. Um, I would say there the context in Germany and in Britain is totally different. Um, I would say those migrants who come to Germany and get a German passport once in a while, they also have to be responsible for historical sensitivity and um, to, 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 to free them from um, these issues, I think that, that that's not a, a possibility in the, in the German context. And uh, privately speaking, my wife, who originates from Poland, recently became German citizens, and I congratulated her and said, it's great, now you can become German chancellor, but you are now responsible for Hitler too. <laughs> So um, we have institutionalized the commemoration of, of two dictatorships. Here an example from Saxony. We have a foundation for the commemoration. Um, and I tell you, this is a very tricky thing. I'm board member of this foundation. We have here different institutions. Most of them are connected to um, communist terror but also some for Nazi time, for instance here, 
Pilna Sonnenstein, that's Eutanasia, was one of the big places. Euthanasia. Euthanasia. Euthanasia, yeah. And, and we, if you go, if you go to, to the board meetings, that, that's not the most happy thing I, I, I like to do, because you have organized groups of, of victims of, of, of the communist times and victims of uh, the Nazi time, or, and, and they, they, they do battles uh, every session we have. And sometimes it's open, and sometimes you don't understand what's going on, but something is going on. And this shows that we in Germany are still, the, the topic is not settled, and perhaps we are also insecure how to deal with it. And now we have debates to, to, to build up new um, uh, memorial sites, um, to, to, to balance the situation, to have more um, memorials towards um, uh, the Nazi time here, for instance, Sachsenburg. Um, which um, uh, was one of the, the early, the smaller early um, uh, concentration camps uh, in, a, in a factory. Um, and what is also very interesting, um, taking into account the GDR time, is um, that most of these places of uh, memory are prisons. So um, you remember the brutal past. We, we have one one museum regarding the GDR in, in Dresden and one in Berlin, and I think both are not to academic standards and, and, and more places of nostalgia than of, 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 of proper research. And that makes you wonder how, how do we conceptualize and how do we have to talk about uh, the GDR? This is one problem. The other problem is um, the discourse on the GDR. Uh, the discourse is um, uh, is divided. We have East German civil activists, um, uh, uh, and when one has to say, uh, in opposite to Poland, uh, among the civil activists in the late GDR, we have perhaps 10, 15,000. In the Solidarność Union in Poland, we are 8 million or something like this. So, and, and then you have perhaps some still living um, really um, prisoners and, and, and really victims of, of, of the socialist regime, perhaps another 20,000. And, and uh, they, they have, a, have a, had an awful life, um, but, but they now are very active in, in trying to, to form the discourse. And I mean, they are the winner of, of history, so to say, and they try to institutionalize um, their, their discourse as much as they can. We have a counter-narrative, especially in Berlin, Marxist historians, former SED elite, they have their own publishers, they have their own publications, they try to defend the system, um, or they, they try to offer the third way. Sometimes the third way between capitalism and socialism is also fancy for the old East German civil activists. I recently read a, a biography by, by one of the rare managers that managed to, to be on, on high position in the GDR and then in the Federal Republic. And his conclusion is that I mean, capitalism doesn't work out, so we need the third way. Then we have every day, so, so, so to say, the social memory, personal memory, family discourse. So it happens. It's still a taboo in many families. What, what, what did grandfather do in the GDR? Um, and um, there is a certain lack of interest in self-reflection. Uh, self 
And, and what we now have, uh, you, you can see it on one of the next slides, we have at the moment a very interesting um, change in the debate. Not that GDR is under debate, but the transformation period of the 1990s. And there, the East Germans now <coughs> complain about the behavior of the West Germans, and the GDR is getting uh, more and more into shadows. And um, we also have um, West German anti-communist uh, research, which uh, was very predominant for a time, also in some museums. You have, so, the West German story, so we are the winner of history, we were the free world, we have the social market system, and look, the other thing was in decline. And in a way, we have no consensus. And even, I would say, in the West, we have a disinterest in, in, in the history of the, of the East. That, that, that's not a topic. Stefan Heim, the, the great socialist novelist, once said, I mean, the GDR is now a footnote of, of history. And it, 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 it goes in this direction. And um, I think that also has um, spin-offs until today that the East is not so much a topic of the West and the people are not cautious. And this is at least one element of Pegida of right-wing populists. You do not take care of us. I mean, you give us the money, and uh, surely the East Germans want to have more money, but you don't acknowledge our fate. So what could be a perspective of, of a unified narrative? Will we develop um, a unified memory that integrates two German dictatorships? I mean, even the term is controversial. Not everyone would agree. How can we integrate the role of the GDR within German history, or is it just East German regional history? We still have no central memorial. There are hot debates in Leipzig and Berlin, um, but no consensus how to do it artistically, financially, uh, the space in town, uh, the direction in which it should go. Uh, no consensus for this. And, and sometimes I'm wondering, why we only debate about Leipzig, which is, uh, so to say, uh, the, the, uh, the founding place of the peaceful revolution. But, I mean, when, when we had the unification of 1870-71 after the German-French Revolution, the first empire, and now, until today, you have Kaiser uh, Emperor Wilhelm II and Bismarck monuments in, in, in every second German town. But the unification, I mean, the only heroic uh, moment in German history, we only debate about Leipzig, about the East, as if the peaceful revolution is only an East German topic. Um, we have a problem, someone asked me how it is with, with, with history in, in German schools, the older generation of East German teachers still is, is trying to avoid GDR history, although it is in the curriculum. We need new um, research approaches. We have some interesting ideas now coming up, more social um, uh, micro-history, looking for, for innovation uh, in the last years of, of the GDR. We need an intergenerational dialogue. There is a new initiative of, of so people around the 30s to 40s, the third generation East. They want to come up, and I have to say I'm a Westerner, I think that that's a very good idea that the East Germans ask their parents themselves and not we West Germans, then it's, it's like a colonial act. Um, we have now, and we need this uh, debate on the transformation period. It, and the, the, the debate is that the West colonized the East, 
Yeah? The, the, the anti-colonistic theories now for the time of the unification. And I, I have a fear that it ends up in self-victimization again. No? Um, the hopeful thing is the peaceful revolution that could be a, po a focal point because at that time everyone was happy with this. Um, the first and only successful democratic revol uh, revolution in German history. And um, I think this event is open and is part of, of transnational memory. It wouldn't have been possible without Poland. It wouldn't have been possible without the Hungarians that opened uh, the fences and so forth and so forth. We will do as a Landeszentrale in, in autumn um, a, um, exhibition with a photographer, that uh, German, uh, West German photographer that went all over Eastern Europe and, and shows at the example of Yugoslavia, of Romania, even of the Czech Republic, that the peaceful element, that was something unique in East Germany. We had no, not, not a single shooting, not a single bullet. Yeah? In, in, in Prague you had one, two, three days that were very dangerous. In Romania they killed Ceausescu, in Yugoslavia war broke out. And this is something unique. And perhaps we need something like a historical speech of a president or another state figure to, 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 um, to path the way for inclusive uh, history. Um, and we need some, some little memoir or some dates. We don't, do not even have a date to commemorate the GDR. It's, it's, it's the 9th of November when the wall broke down. But the 9th of November is the end of the First World War and the beginning of the Weimar Republic, then the burning of the synagogues, and um, uh, the wall the came down. So that's uh, our um, uh, special history um, day, but, but not, nothing unique. And um, there you go. In, in the Leipzig people, they always celebrate uh, that um, uh, 5th of October. Uh, they make a big candle uh, feast to commemorate this. And we even have uh, books for, for children um, explaining how uh, the, the, the story was. Fritzi, uh, Friederike, um, uh, was rather by, how can I translate? Was there. Were there. Uh, and and then, then it's quite nice, uh, eine Wendewundergeschichte, a miracle story of the peaceful uh, revolution. And perhaps I end up here.